0: Well, again, happy Mother's Day. I am going to share with you guys today, but I just want to start with saying thank you to all the moms in this room. You have no idea the impact that you're having. And a lot of times, motherhood is a thankless job. I know that a two-year-old doesn't get up every morning and say, thank you for being my mom. But I want to say thank you to all of the, for all of the unseen things that you do, for all of the heartaches that you've endured, especially those of you that have gone through motherhood and now you're into grandmotherhood or you've launched your kids out of the house and you're like, I did it 21 years later and my child is an adult, like, thank you, you made it. <laughs> and God made you to be the very best mom for the children that he gave you. I just want to tell you that you are doing a great job, that you're an awesome mom, that there's Nobody that could be a better mom for your child than you. There is no way to be a perfect mom. There are no perfect moms, but there are a million ways of being a good mom. And you have everything on the inside of you to be the best mom for the kids that God has given you. So I just want to applaud you this morning. I am so glad that you are here, and I hope you feel loved and celebrated. If by nobody else and your kids have all moved out of state or something, then by me, because you're amazing. And I thank you for being a mom. My message today is for the moms. 51 weeks out of the year, the message is for everybody else, but today it's for moms. I hope the rest of you get something out of it, and that's fine, and that's great, but I'm just going to unapologetically say that I'm speaking to the moms this morning. I hope this message blesses you, because you are on the heart of God, and He sees you. The title of my sermon today is The God Who Sees, and we're going to talk about two moms in the Bible, Hagar and Sarah. Sarah. I don't know if you've ever heard their story, but they're very different. They led very different lives. Sarah's story and Hagar's story were intertwined, but they came from very different backgrounds. And the thing that struck me as I was reading this story is that God saw Sarah and he saw Hagar. He wasn't the God of Hagar and not the God of Sarah, He wasn't the God of Sarah and not of Hagar. He saw each of them. He saw their journey. He saw where they were at, and he was in their corner. He was pushing the purpose of their life forward. Sometimes we compare ourselves to other moms, and we feel like our journey seems unfair or more difficult, and the grass looks greener on the other mom fence side. And we wish we could trade lives or stories with somebody else. Maybe you've struggled with infertility or maybe you've adopted children and it's been a difficult road maybe your children have illness maybe you struggle with illness maybe it's financial trouble i don't know what your circumstances are but we'll see in the scripture that sarah and hagar both had very difficult things that they had to face and i'm not being prophetic this morning by saying this but we all have to face difficult things you've either faced something or you will one day and it could be as simple as like hey I'm having a bad day, my hair is starting to fall out, my dishwasher overflowed and there's no clean laundry and I just can't anymore. Or it could be something that is really difficult, like standing in faith for healing in the situation of a life-threatening illness. You know, we have big storms and we have little storms, but wherever you are, God sees you. He sees where you're at, he understands how you're feeling, he knows where you've been and he knows where you're going. And that was the story of Sarah and Hagar. They were two women. One was a beloved wife of Abraham. He was wealthy, so she had everything that she needed. They were traveling on this grand God adventure and they were going to their promised land. God had promised that they would make a nation that would eventually birth the Messiah. There was all this amazing promise over her life, but there was one problem, she didn't have any kids. She was heartbroken because she had not produced an heir and the whole promise was hinging on that. So forget the fact that way back then, the value of a woman really was in childbearing. But here was also the promise of God hinging on her and she couldn't have children. And it wasn't like they tried for two years. By the time they actually had children, She had been trying for probably around 70 to 75 years. That is a long time, but God saw her. And then there's Hagar. Hagar was an Egyptian woman. And probably, okay, so Sarah was really, really gorgeous. Like she was stunning. And twice the Bible tells us that somebody else saw her. And even though she was the wife of Abraham, they thought she was his sister because he lied about it. But anyway, they thought she was just his sister. And um, two kings brought her into their um, household to make her their wife. God protected her. And both times God spoke to that king and, and she was, brought back to Abraham, which is great. But one of those times they were in Egypt and there was a Pharaoh that took her into his palace. And when she left, the Bible says that he gave Abraham and Sarah all these things from his household and from Egypt, because he's like, I don't want their God to curse me because I took this woman into my house. Like, I'm gonna give you gifts, I'm gonna bless you. And um, historians believe that that's when Hagar, this Egyptian woman, was given to Sarah. She was Sarah's servant. Sarah's slave, if you will. She didn't really have any say about it. She was not wealthy like Sarah. There she was. But it seems like that Sarah and Hagar formed a friendship, and they trusted one another. And after so many years of not being able to produce an heir, Sarah came to Abraham and said, you know what, and I think you all know the story, she came up with her own way of solving the problem. She said, I'm going to give you Hagar, my maidservant. And it's something that was done back then. Like, it seems so twisted. But anyway, she's like, this is my servant. So if you sleep with her and you guys have a son, I can have a son through her. Like a surrogate mom kind of thing. So Abraham slept with Hagar and she became pregnant. So now she had what Sarah did not, she didn't have wealth and riches and a husband who loved her in the same way that Abraham loved Sarah Maybe she wasn't as gorgeous and stunning as Sarah but she was pregnant And the Bible says that suddenly she felt like she was better than Sarah and she started treating Sarah with contempt Long story short it ends up that Sarah starts mistreating Hagar You know, they were both in a tough spot. They could have turned to one another and helped each other through this and supported one another. I mean, beloved tribe, let's not let this be our story. They turned on one another instead of helping each other. But still, God saw each of them and was for both of them. So Sarah ended up mistreating Hagar and Hagar ran away. And that's where we find Hagar today. We're going to read a portion of scripture about Hagar and then one about Sarah. But we're going to start with Hagar. We find her out in the desert in Genesis chapter 16, verse 7. Here is where she has run away from Sarah. And the angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur which was actually part of Egypt. So basically, she was running back to Egypt where she had come from. And the angel said to her, Hagar, Sarah's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarah, she replied. And the angel also said, you're now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has heard your cry of distress. And thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. She also said, have I truly seen the one who sees me? Just going to read that last verse again. thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. And she also said, have I truly seen the one who sees me? I love that passage of scripture for many reasons and I'm just going to pull out a couple of things but in that first verse in verse 7 it says the angel of the Lord found Hagar She wasn't searching for the angel of the Lord, which first of all, this is the first time in scripture that we hear about the angel of the Lord, which most theologians believe in. As you go on, the angel of the Lord is often called Lord. We believe that was Jesus in the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord. He came and the one that in the New Testament always came to seek and find what was lost came and found her. She was not even looking for him, but he saw her, so he came and found her. I don't know what your circumstances are today, mamas but God always sees you and comes to find you. So God found her, she didn't go looking for him. And then he asks about her, like he knows everything about her already, but he actually wants to hear her story. God cares about your story. He cares where you're at, he's asking her there, he says, where have you come from and where are you going? There's something so healing and powerful about telling your story in a safe place to somebody that actually wants to hear it. Have you ever done that where you're sitting with a friend and they really want to listen, you've been going through something and you feel like nobody's understanding and they just sit there and they listen and they understand and they lean in and they look you in the eye. That is how God does to you. He wants to hear you pour out your heart to him. He said, Hagar. Where have you come from and where are you going? And I find it interesting because to Hagar, those two were not so important. She just said, I'm running away from Sarah. She was mean to me. She doesn't answer either one of God's questions. But the thing that was hurting her, the thing that was on her heart, she shared that with God. And he listened. So number one, he found her. Number two, he asks about her. Jesus does that in the New Testament. We see whenever he's walking around, he's always saying, what's your name? Do you want to be healed? What can I do for you? who do you think that I am? God loves to ask you questions. He sees you and he wants to hear what's on your heart. And then after that, he gives her direction and wisdom. I skipped over a couple of verses for time, but God said, you're going to have to return to Sarah. You're going to have to go back. That was not what she wanted to hear in that moment. How many moms in here You feel like when you had your baby, it came with an instruction manual and you always knew exactly what to do. Show of hands, okay, that's what I thought. Good, because then I'm not the only one. It's like you barely ever know what to do. And I remember looking at my mom when I was a kid and I'm like, oh, she always knows what to do. I'm gonna go ask mom. Now I'm like, that was so dumb. She probably never knew what to do because when kids come ask me, I'm like, oh my gosh, Jesus told me, what are we gonna do here? We don't know what to do sometimes, but you know what the Bible says? One of my favorite verses. Oh, it's like a life verse because it's so good. It's James 1, 5. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously without finding fault." Don't you love that? He's like, what do you mean you don't know what to do? Come on. No, he will give you wisdom freely without finding fault with you. He will give you insight on how to raise your kids and what to do in every single situation. So Hagar had run away and God said, you got to go back. When you share with God and when He sees you, when He comes to find you, He's not just gonna leave you to figure it out by yourself. He's gonna give you wisdom of what to do. And then my favorite part is in verse 11, where we said the angel said, you're pregnant, you're gonna give birth to a son and you're gonna name him Ishmael. You know what he was doing in that moment? He stopped talking about her past and he gave her hope by naming her future. What was the one thing she cared about? Her baby, like moms, you you know that. There's something that happens when you become pregnant, like you don't care about anything else. I remember with two of my pregnancies and the third one a little bit too, but two in particular, I was so sick. I was telling Brad, it's the only time in my life like I literally wanted to die and I just thought it would be so much better to get to heaven. And be done with it but I was pregnant and I'm like I want to give birth to this baby so I'm gonna to have to suck it up for nine months that's just how it is nothing else matters when you're a mom and the thing that Hagar cared most about was what was in her tummy it was her future it was her legacy and the angel of God God said listen you're gonna bear a son you're gonna name him Ishmael which means God hears he called out her future and gave her a vision not for where she had been but where she was going Listen, God sees you. And in those moments, I don't know if you're in a big storm or in a little storm, or if you're just laying in your bed at night and you're tired and it's been a long day and you're trying to share with your husband and maybe he didn't understand or he just fell asleep and it's just you laying there. I've been there. And all of a sudden you you sense the presence of the Holy Spirit and it's like, I'm here. What's on your mind? Tell me about your day. He sees you. He's there with you. In those moments, we get to know God in a new way because his presence is with us. The scripture says in verse 13, thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord. In those moments when we're going through the big storms in particular, and we sense God's nearness, it means more to us than when it's just a regular Tuesday. It's like a little kid in the middle of a thunderstorm and he's laying there in his bed and all of a sudden the um, tornado alarm sounds and maybe a branch knocks through his window. When daddy comes in and says, it's going to be okay, son, and picks him up and runs him to the safe room in the house, you know, in the bathroom, and they got blankets and they light a candle and they're like, it's going to be okay, and watch a cartoon on the little phone just to make him feel like he's, everything's okay and it's fun. What a big adventure. There's a storm. Woohoo! dads and moms you have that ability for your kids your presence means more right then than when you're just sitting on a wednesday morning having breakfast and it's the same in those moments in our lives where we really need god and we need to be seen when he shows up we get to know a different aspect of him and this is the first time in the bible i mean god has introduced himself but hagar named god gave him a name it's the first time that's happened Here's this runaway slave woman, pregnant mom out in the middle of the desert and it says she gave God a name. She named him El Roi in Hebrew which is the God who sees. And she said, have I really seen the God who sees me? He saw her and she named him. She gave him a new name. She knew about God. It was Abraham's God, it was Sarah's God. She was just their slave woman. But in that moment, when she was out in the desert, all on her own, and he came and found her and spoke something over her future and saw her, he became her God. What is he to you in those moments? For Hagar, he was the God who sees. He sees the disappointment, He sees the frustrations, he sees the heartache. Your journey is not the same as anybody else's any more than Hagar's was like Sarah's. But God saw both of them and he knew both of them intimately. He sees your insecurities or anxieties or when money is running low and he speaks to that and he's with you in that and that's where we get to know him in a new way. I wanna skip forward to Sarah because Hagar did go back to Sarah. And Sarah, I mean, she thought she would fix everything by having Hagar have a baby for her, but instead it made it worse. Now she was despised in her own household. Hagar was gonna have a son, and she still didn't have one. Ishmael was born, he was being raised by Abraham, and Sarah was still brokenhearted. Abraham loved her, she had all the money she needed. You know, things were fine on the outside but I can imagine her broken heart. A different story, that God saw. And one time, three visitors, and we can tell from scripture, they were like heavenly visitors. And one of them later is referred to as the Lord when Abraham talks to him. So probably one of them was again, the angel of the Lord that had met with Hagar. One day, three visitors came to Abraham and Sarah. And this is after Ishmael. He was you know, years along, he was not a baby anymore. And Sarah was like, it is what it is. We're gonna have our promise fulfilled through Ishmael. End of story. And in Genesis 18, verse 10, we see that one of the angels, the one of the visitors said, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. And back then, like, there were not doors and walls, it was a tent, so she could hear everything, although she was hidden from sight. Have you ever done that with a little toddler? And like, you can see them, but they can't see you. They do this, and they're like, you can't see me. I feel like that's how Sarah was in that moment, because of course God could see her, but she's like, I'm behind this tent, he can't see me. So she's hiding behind the tent. She was listening to the conversation. Abraham and Sarah were both very old at this time. And Sarah was long past the age of, chi- of having children. So she laughed silently to herself. She snickered like nobody heard it. She was like this, you can't see me. And she laughed about the promise of God on her life. And she said, how could a worn out woman like me enjoy such pleasure? Especially when my husband is also so old. It just sounds bitter, like she's just given up on that. It's just not gonna happen. That was her story. Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she denied it, saying, I didn't laugh. But God saw her. He saw her laughing. She wasn't running in the desert, running away from her mistress. She was just sad and disappointed. And she was standing in the tent and she laughed to herself. And God's like, I see you. I see the heartache you've been through. I see the disappointment in your life. I see you. And she laughed. And he said, No, no, no. Watch my words. He didn't compare her to Hagar. He didn't get mad at her for doubting. Basically, she was in a funk of unbelief. She didn't believe the promise of God anymore. And he didn't judge her for that. He didn't say, well, Hagar has a baby and you don't. It's probably because you didn't have enough faith. He just said, just wait. I see you laughing, but next time this year, I mean, next year this time, I'm going to come back and you are going to have a son. He could have just kept his promise to Abraham because the Bible said that Abraham was going to be the father of many nations and Hagar had borne him Ishmael. That could have been the end of the promise and Sarah wasn't a part of it. But the thing is in Genesis 17, he didn't only make a promise to Abraham, he also made a promise to Sarah. And it says like this, I will bless her and surely Give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of many nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. It wasn't just a promise for Abraham. It was a promise for Sarah. She was disillusioned, but God saw her and said, that's enough. And I think she was 99 when she finally had a baby. Can you imagine? There's a long time to wait. We've had some miracle stories in this house of women that have had children because God miraculously opened up their womb. And I don't know any of them that have waited like even half that long. That is a long time. Listen, I think God has a special soft heart for moms and for women in general. Especially if you're a mom in here that you have little ones. Maybe you have become a first-time mom this year, or you have two little ones, and you were like, well, I could do one, that's kind of like an accessory, but now that I have two, I just don't know. And then forget it, if you have three, then you and your husband are outnumbered. Like, it just goes downhill from there. There are overwhelming moments, and I remember a time when I, um, I had Joshua, and I was nursing in the middle of the night. I felt like I hadn't slept for Ten months, it was probably just three months, but I was so tired. And I remember I was like, I have not read my Bible in so long. I am just the worst. And I was sitting there. It was probably around 2 a.m. And this verse came to me from Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 11. And I want to read this to your moms because I feel like this is how God treated both Sarah and Hagar. He tends his flock like a shepherd and he gathers the lambs in his arms and he carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those with young. He gently leads you when you've got young ones. He's not poking fault at you and looking at every time you lose your temper or didn't do all the laundry. He sees you just like he saw Sarah when she was laughing and just like he saw Hagar when she was desperate, running away from her situation, he will give you wisdom, he loves you, he will carry you in those moments. Believe me, he is near to you. He wants to reveal himself to you in new ways that you've never known him before. The beautiful thing about Sarah is that she got to laugh again. She became pregnant and she had a son and guess what they named him? Isaac, which means laughter. I mean, it's almost like a joke. Like I'm hundred years old and I have a kid, so I'm just gonna call him, laugh at me, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's like God's sense of humor. We see in verse, in Genesis chapter 21, and I'm gonna go right to verse eight. And Sarah declared, God has brought me laughter and all who hear this will laugh with me. When God brings you laughter, when God gives you joy for mourning, When he sees you, it doesn't just bring joy to you, but to those around you. When you share the joy that God has given, when you tell others that he's a God that sees you. Sarah got her answer, but it blessed us here today, like Jesus was part of her lineage. The blessing is not just for you, it's for your children and your children's children. And I believe today that God will give you laughter. That he will turn whatever that trial and situation or desert moment into something beautiful for you. That he will give you strength because he sees you and he understands you. There's something different about being noticed and like, oh, look, there she is. And being seen. Being seen implies being known. Being understood. There's safety and healing and freedom in that. Like you're surrounded by somebody who really sees you, like nobody else does, not even your spouse. God understands you more. Moms, you are seen. When you only have 30 seconds to yourself and you haven't washed your hair in days, or when your (laughs) house is full of teenagers, when your babies are sick, when it's been a long, long time, when there's not enough money, when you've lost your temper, when you let your kids down and you didn't do the right thing, when you try so hard, to do something to please everybody and nobody seems to notice or say thank you, God sees you. And I feel like today, my word for you is that he sees you and that you will laugh again. Maybe you've lost your joy but you will laugh again. Your Isaac moment with God and it might just be you on the couch after the kids fell asleep and you have five minutes to yourself before you just fall over in exhaustion. Invite him into that moment. He's there, he sees you, but you gotta recognize his presence and let him surround you and then talk to him. Just pour out all the disappointment, the fear, the depression, the anxiety. I don't know what it is for you, but don't compare your story with other women's stories. Ishmael became a great nation. Isaac became a great nation. God saw Hagar and he saw Sarah. You are not forgotten. He has room for all of us not just as a big like flock of sheep but you you are his sheep and he sees you your story doesn't look like anybody else's but that's on purpose and el Roi, the god who sees is your god in this moment for some of you i don't know if there's any in this room today or if there's somebody that's watching online I feel like the journey of wanting to become a mom has been so hard for you. And you were on my heart as I was preparing this today. We had some miracles here in this house, like I mentioned, Erin and Olgie, I don't know if she's here today or watching online, and um, Tiffany Stewart, Meredith. Like there are women that we've prayed for down here at the altar during beloved services and they have wept with one another and laid hands on one another and believed God that their sister would be able to have a baby. God wants to do that for you. If this morning your greatest wish is to be a mom and you're not, God sees you. He sees that longing in your heart and he will turn your morning into dancing. I don't know how, but he's a God of miracles. A God of miracles. And listen, today as we wrap up our service, Maybe you came in here with your mom and you're not usually in church or maybe you were invited and this has nothing to do with Mother's Day. You just happen to be in church. God sees you. He doesn't just see moms. He sees you and he's crazy about you. You're not here on accident. This is your moment to meet with Jesus, to meet with the God who sees you. I don't know what your circumstances are. If you've come out of the storm, if you're in the middle of the storm or you're about to face the storm, he sees you. He understands you. I might not know anything about you, but God does. And still he's coming and he's asking you today. He's asking questions of you. He's saying, hey, where have you come from? What do you want from me today? How can I meet with you? I see you. And I want to give you an opportunity to meet with the God who sees. We're just gonna take a couple of minutes and be in his presence. If you could all just stand to your feet. For some of you, you know him intimately. He's like your best friend. And every time you wake up in the morning, you're like, good morning, Jesus. For others, you come to church and you leave church. You read your Bible maybe once a week. But there's not a relationship there. He sees you and he wants it to be more than that. But maybe there's somebody in here that you just don't even know God at all or maybe you did, but that was a long time ago. He sees you and just like with Hagar, he chases you down to find you because he loves you, because he wants you, because he has a plan for you, because he wants to surround you and see you right where you're at. And he wants to bring you in right relationship with God, wash away all of your sins and give you a brand new life he's not mad at you he's not comparing you to anybody else he's not comparing you to your your dad or your mom or your sister or your friends there's nothing you could do that could make him love you more he loves you regardless of your circumstance what you have or haven't done we're going to just close our eyes for a minute father god i pray right now in this room or for those that are watching online that the God who sees would visit with us, that you would see each and every one of us right now in this moment. You see our circumstance, you see our situation, you see our hearts, we just lay them out before you. Thank you that you see us, that you are for us. I wanna just, before I pray any, anything else, I wanna give an opportunity, if there's anybody in here that is not in right relationship with God, you do not know Jesus personally, you find yourself in church for some other reason or you're just watching online for whatever reason, maybe because of Mother's Day, this is your day to get right with God. Jesus wants to come into your heart. The Bible says that he stands at your heart and he knocks and he wants to come in and he wants to give you eternal life, fill you with joy. If that's you this morning, I want to just know who I'm praying for. If you could just raise up your hand and we're going to pray a prayer all together. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way, but God sees you. He is for you. And I just want to see who I can pray for this morning. If you want to give your heart to Jesus or come back to him this morning, or maybe you're watching online and you're hearing this message and you're like, well, I'm just sitting here and this came on YouTube, but I need God. I need Jesus to see me right in my circumstance. Listen, he sees you, he's right there with you in your living room right now. The Bible says that the only thing we have to do to be in right relationship with God is to believe that he is the son of God and rose from the dead and ask him to come into our hearts. And as we repent of our sins, he forgives us and he washes us clean and he gives us a new life. So we're gonna pray a prayer. If you believe it in your heart, just repeat after me, and we're going to all pray this prayer together. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I thank you that you see me. Today, I give you my heart. I ask you to wash me of my sins and make me a new creation. Be my Lord and Savior. You can have my whole life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time or the first time in a long time, there's... Um, a number that you can text Jesus to. It's 817-405-2244 because we want to get in touch with you. You have been born again, what the Bible calls becoming a new creation. We want to get in touch with you, have our pastors reach out to you. So if you just text Jesus to that number, one of our pastors will reach out back to you, fill out the little auto-response form that comes up because we want to make sure that we get connected with you and can help you in your walk with God.